Welcome to this 6.33 podcast. My name's uh, Pastor Philip Fell, and I want to welcome you to this new episode of the What Is God Like series. It's actually the final one in the series. It's number 10. And so far in this series, we've been looking at what God is like in terms of how he relates to people, to the likes of you and me, and obviously doing that through the people in the Bible and how God interacted and related to them and they to him. So thus far we've been looking at the fact that God is creator and eternal, that he's relational and holy, that he is loving and faithful and good and he's also transcendent. But whilst he's transcendent he's also intimate, close to you and me and he's almighty and he's sovereign as we were looking at last time in that episode. And today, in this final episode of our series, we're thinking about this wonderful revelation that God is our Father. He is, or he can be, your Father. I want to start today, almost at the end, almost at the point at which we will finish, uh, and I want to start it with this statement, that Jesus came to show us his father. He came to reveal the father to people, to us. Jesus himself said that if you've seen me, you've seen the father in in John 14. If you've seen me, he says, you've seen the father. And well, listen to what was going on between Jesus and Philip. He says to Philip, don't you know me, Philip? even after I've been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus is inviting us to meet the Father. When Jesus came with the gospel, remember how in Mark's gospel in chapter 1, verse 1, it starts like this. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. The good news is about the Son of God and all he came to show us. But he's the Son of God. He came to show us his heavenly Father. The Apostle Paul in Romans 8 writes these words. The Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters." The Holy Spirit brings us into an experience of God as Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his sons and daughters as we trust and believe in Jesus. And he's the father of all those who believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So on the basis that we now know where we're going, that's where we're ending up with that kind of revelation knowing the good news of our destiny in Christ, let's see what lies behind all of this 
in the scriptures. In the Old Testament, there are many places where God is called Father, but in the first five books, the Pentateuch as we call them, he isn't generally speaking revealed as that. But his interest in fatherhood is really clear. Listen, in Genesis 17, he's speaking to Abram, and he's, he's beginning to pour out these incredible promises into Abram's life. He says this, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. God wanted to father a nation through Abraham. God had always intended to have a people for himself. That, in fact, was the purpose of creation, that he would create a people who would live in relationship and in a love relationship with himself. And, and when things went wrong, when the fall happened and, and, and Adam and Eve sinned and they were put out the garden to protect them from a lifetime, not only a lifetime, but an eternity without God, we see that God still pursued them. He still longed for them to be the people he wanted. We see it in, we, when we consider Noah's story as well. But here in Abraham, God commits himself to creating a people. And he makes Abraham the father of that people. But throughout the Old Testament, we see God revealing himself as the God of Israel and as God to the nations. That's his, his desire. He reveals himself as God. But it's Moses. We come across Moses in Exodus. And when he meets God on the, on the mountain, uh, he, he gets this revelation, which he passes on to us through the scriptures, that God has a name. Yahweh. I am who I am. God is not just God in some kind of almost disconnected sense, but he is someone with a name that he wants his people to know. I am. God said to Moses, we read in Exodus 3, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. You see, God is becoming more personal with his people. From being the God who put their uh, ancestors, their forebears, Adam and Eve, out of the garden for their own protection, uh, from the God who uh, oversaw uh, the ark with Noah, from the God who, 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 who called Abraham and his family from where they were living into a new place and said, I want you to go further, through to Moses we find this God becoming personal. And then we find for Moses, it is the I am who I am. I am who I will always be. I am who I have always been, the self-existent God. And then God shows Moses a little glimpse of a relationship that God is looking for that goes even beyond that revelation. 
It's the, revel it's the revelation that God wants to be the father. In fact, God considers himself the father of this nation. In Exodus 4 and verse 22, he tells Moses, Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. God claims Israel as his firstborn. Well, uh, of course, God gave Abraham the, the commitment and the covenant that he would be a father. And only a father can create a father. And he says, Israel, the nation you're about to redeem from Egypt, they're my firstborn son. That's my child. That's my boy, this Israel. And so the unfolding revelation continues through the Old Testament. Of course, we have as the original father, physical father of the nation, we have Abraham. But for all practical purposes, of course, it was Jacob or Israel, as his name was changed to. Uh, the one who produced the heads of the 12 tribes, his 12 sons. Listen to what David has to say in 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 10. It says that David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. You see, David is praising God who fathered Israel, who fathered Jacob, who fathered Abraham, who fathered the whole nation. He is the father of the nation. And we're indebted to David for, for developing this revelation even further to show us that behind Israel, behind Jacob as the forefather, stands the true father of the nation. As he describes him in, uh, in Psalm 68, a father to the fatherless is God in his holy dwelling. And of course, we can, we can understand Israel to be a, a, a people coming about without a father. They, they've, they've drifted into existence almost, it seems. Uh, Adam and Eve, uh, and then they had sons, and, and then sons and sons and sons and sons. Uh, were born and more and more uh, and then they seem to become more and more distant from God apart from some who had that heart of, of faith and understanding that there is a God behind all of this. But David realised that God is a father to the fatherless and he called this nation into being that he might be a father to them. And then, of course, God promises to David that he will be a father to Solomon. That God will be Solomon's father as he rules in his place. He says in 1 Chronicles 17, I will be his father and he will be my son. I will never take my love away from him as I took it away from your predecessor. And so we see how God develops this revelation of his fatherhood through his interaction with these people, Abraham, Moses, David, Solomon, and then the prophet Isaiah later unpacks even more. All through the prophetic book that Isaiah gives us, he has traced so much the failings of God's people, their unfaithfulness, their, their backsliding, their, their idolatry, their inability to display God's glory to their world. But 
So often he's measured also on God's faithfulness, God's love, even for his sinful people. And even amongst the, the, the pronouncements of, of God's judgment and, and his, even his rejection of this nation, he still expresses his love and his commitment to them. You see, his, his judgment and, and his apparent rejection of, of these people when, he, when Isaiah is proclaiming the, the exile will come, uh, all of this God knows is temporary. His love and his commitment, his faithfulness to these people is eternal. And Isaiah is showing how God has shepherded these people and guided them and delivered them again and again and again. Isaiah says in, in his chapter 49, verse 15, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Can a mother forget the baby? Well, so often, no, but sometimes, sadly, critically, it, it happens that the mother, a mother rejects a child for whatever reason. And it's tragic when that happens and brings great trauma and great hurt for which God has healing. But what Isaiah is showing us is that God is never, ever like that with his people. Isaiah takes it further. Along with all the other good news of God's faithful care, Isaiah declares God's plan and his purpose for his people, his redemption to come, the good news of God's servant who will deliver Israel forever and make God's love and grace available to the other nations in a way that Israel never did, never could. And he releases this amazing revelation that not only is God like, yet greater than a mother, but his desire is to be a father. Isaiah says, even if our mothers and fathers disown us, even if our forefathers should disown us as a nation, God never will, because he wants to be our father. Isaiah 63, for you are our father, Abraham doesn't know us, and Israel does not acknowledge us. You, O Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer from of old, is your name. And then in chapter 64, Yet you, O Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. It's a wonderful promise. A wonderful promise from God that Isaiah reveals to his people, to his nation. You've been our father forever. You were our father before Abraham even conceived Isaac. And you will be our father forever. That is who you are. We are the work of your hand. You made us. You're the potter. We're the clay. You formed us when you formed Adam and when you created Eve. You've been our father since that time, because such is your desire for your people, Lord God. But wonderful as that promise is, there's so much more for us living at this time, living this side of the cross of Jesus Christ. For those who believe in God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom came, Mark tells us, chapter 1 that we looked at before, 
the one who came to bring the good news, those who believe in this Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is come to bring us into his family. John writes this in his first chapter. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came from the Father to reveal the Father. Jesus explains this further to his followers as they spend those special, precious three years with him. When they ask him about that deeply intimate relationship that he has with his Father in prayer, those nights when he goes and leaves everyone behind to spend with his Father, and they ask him, how can we pray like that? They're not just asking about how they can say a prayer. They're asking about the relationship that he has with the one to whom he prays, his Father in heaven. And Jesus says to them, Matthew 6, 9, This then is how you should pray. Our Father. Our Father. He introduces them to something which is no longer a, a ritualistic religious activity for certain special occasions but a personal, every moment opportunity to interact with God the Father in prayerful conversation. And Jesus goes on and shows us just how much God as our Father cares for us, comparing how we are parents for our own children with how God is a parent to us. He says in Matthew seven eleven, as bad as you are, you know how to give good things to your children. And none of us, I don't think, would claim to be perfect parents. I certainly wouldn't. But but nevertheless, we want to do good. We want to give good gifts to our children. We want to bless our children. But he goes on, how much more then will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How much more then will your Father in heaven? He's only just taught them that prayer is about our father and now he's saying how much more will your father in heaven give good things if you ask him for them paul unpacks this amazing relationship of knowing god as father for us so well in romans he, he, he unpacks so much about the relationship that we have through jesus with god as father to be his children his sons and his daughters and to know him as father, to relate to him as father. He says this, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, of course, that word Abba is an Aramaic Hebrew word that has the sense for us in English, and the closest I think that we can get to it in English, that, that sense of the word daddy or papa, the small child's intimate, loving word for his or her 
father, papa, daddy. And of course, it's been picked up so much more in, in recent years and, and recent decades. The thought that God is father, but he's daddy, he's papa, he's intimate, he's loving, he's close, he wants to hug us and draw us to himself and wants the best for us at all times. We were thinking a few months ago in episode 7 of God being an intimate God as well as a transcendent God. And here we find the word for us to use as we approach him in that place of intimacy with that real understanding that we can be intimate and close with our Heavenly Father, Daddy, Papa, Father. Of course, some would say, well, but, but God is Father of all creation, of all mankind. And in a limited sense, of course, he is. As the creator, he fathered everything that we see. But as we've seen through the Bible, uh, we discover that God unpacks for us an ever-deepening relationship with people. He's not, he's not content just to be the creator, the great creator who made everything happen. He wants to be the father. He wants to be daddy. He wants to be papa to each and every single one of us. And until we see it realised, in Jesus and through the work of the Holy Spirit, we don't really discover the depth of this, uh, this relationship that God has been looking for from eternity. The Bible makes God's fatherhood personal, intimate, loving and eternal for all those who trust in Jesus. And we can discover ourselves to be truly his sons and his daughters. This is the last in, in, in my series, uh, What is God Like? Uh, and, and in it, we've seen God portrayed in a, in a whole host of different ways. He, he expresses himself in so many, many ways because he, he, is, he, is, he is everything uh, that anyone could ever need. He is, of course, as we've said, the creator of everything. And we've seen God portraying himself, showing himself to people as he interacts with them throughout the Bible. And that's been in each and every episode of, of this series. And it's so important that we realise that God progressively shows himself and his attributes, the different aspects of his nature to people through the scriptures. And just as he did through the scriptures with those people, so he longs to do that too for us, that we get to know him in all these different ways, that he is creator and therefore he is still creative in our lives. He is relational. He longs for a relationship with you and with me. If you've got one, then you know that. If you haven't yet got a relationship with, with God, then he, that is what he longs for for you. He is holy and yet he is love. His holiness doesn't push anybody away. His holiness actually and his love working together draw them to himself and draw them into that holiness that is who he is. He is faithful, God. He's always faithful. He never lets us down. He doesn't reject and turn away from us. He's provided an internal way for people to be right with him through Jesus. He is good. He is transcendent. He's beyond anything we can really... Uh, uh, understand beyond anything I could hope to explain in this series. He's way beyond that. He's way bigger than that. And yet he's intimate. He's intimate with his people. He's almighty and he's sovereign. He is the king of 
the whole universe, the whole of creation. He is king. He is sovereign. He's almighty because he made everything. But he's father, as we've been thinking this time. He's our father. And here is a key thought for us, that he, he, God is not just one of these things at any particular time. He is all of these things to each one of us all the time. All of these 10 aspects that we've looked at in this series, he is never one and not all the others at the same time. He's never holy and expressing holiness without also still being loving and faithful. And he is always, always Father, even whilst he's King and Almighty and so on. And this means, this means that we can depend upon him absolutely, absolutely depend upon him to be all of these things to us all the time in whatever situation whatever circumstances whatever crisis problem or wonderful time that we may be going through he is all of these things he never changes he's not fickle he's not in a mood he doesn't get into bad moods he doesn't fall out with us and jesus also never changes he is the same yesterday today and forever He's always revealing his father to us in new ways. He's always taking us deeper into the relationship and the experience of our relationship with God as our great father. He has a great father heart for you right now, this moment, today. So let's pray today, thanking God for who he is, asking the Holy Spirit to take us deeper into God's loving heart, knowing that Jesus is always praying that we discover more and more of who our Heavenly Father is for us. Isn't that a wonderful thought that Jesus is praying for us, that we might be uh, better known to God and we might know God better than we ever have before. So let's pray together. Father God, Daddy, Papa God, thank you that we can come to you and know you so closely, so intimately, so lovingly, so graciously, so compassionately. You're so kind. You're so faithful. You're so good. We thank you, Father, for who you are. And in being all of those things, you are almighty. You have all the power that we need to, to, for our lives. You are the king of our lives. You are the king of the whole of creation. You are a wonderful God. And we thank you, Father, for who you are to us. May each and every one of us grow deeper and deeper in love with you. Grow to know you more and more. Go, go deeper and deeper in our experience of you in all of these aspects and so many others as well. We thank you, Father, for who you are. Leaders and guiders in all that you have for us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit who will bring us into the revelation of the truth of who you are. And we bless you, Father. We thank you, Father, in the precious, powerful, wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ for yourself as a personal Savior, and a personal friend, a personal Lord, then I, I encourage you, I urge you to uh, just seek after him, just to speak to him as we've just been doing there, just to speak to him, invite him into your life, ask him to come in and show himself to you, to forgive all of the sin, everything that's wrong in your life as it is in all of our lives, ask him to come and make you a clean, fresh, new person who, who has a new heavenly father. He will do that for you and just invite you into that 
experience right now and get yourself into a local church wherever you are. Thank you so much for sharing with me in these podcasts and in particular in this series. There are many other podcasts that I've produced through 633. Do check out the website 633.co.uk. It's all lowercase, it's all in words, not in numbers. And search on YouTube for the video podcasts. You can search 633 on, on um, Spotify or a number of other uh, podcast apps to get the audio versions. There'll be more content coming in the future. So God bless you. I'm praying that all of this will help you to grow in your life and faith in Jesus Christ. This is Philip from 633 saying goodbye. Thanks for being with me. God bless you and be with you. Mm-hmm.